I say that to intro Sidron because the Lord has given us a gift in this house. He's given us many gifts. I mean, we've got Jonathan. We've got the Bixlers who just did an outstanding job last week. We've got Dan. We've got David. We've got, we've got elders that God is shaping and forming and bringing to the forefront in this body. And one of those is Sadron. And Sadron, I just want you to know, man, the, the anointing, the gift, the integrity, the love of the word, the soundness of study that you exhibit in the word, we get to become recipients of the diligence and the study and the grace that God has put upon your life. And I want you to know, don't you hold back. All right? All right, come on up here, brother. Come on up here. Huh? Now, we're going to be good listeners, but we're also going to be good engagers. And I don't know if you know about this about my brother. Y'all should know it about me, but we like a little bit of participation. Huh? I want y'all to all say with me, say, that's good. Ah, I want y'all to say, come on now. I want y'all to say, mmm. I want you to say, yes. All right, those four words right there, all right? There's, I got about a hundred of them, all right? But those right there, we're just going to wade in. We're going to just be, you know, step by step. But if you can get those four things down, I'm telling you, you're going to pull something out of someone who comes to make a deposit. So having said that, come on, give it up again for my brother, Sajon. Wow, Pastor, wow. Well, good morning, Antioch. Praise the Lord. You guys are pumped up. We worship up. And I just thank the Lord for allowing me the opportunity to be here before you. Thank you, Pastor, First Lady of the House. Thank you, all the pastoral team here. I appreciate it. I tell you what, it's just a joy to be here. I'm excited. But remember, like he said, I need you to talk to me. If you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> amen. As we have the Lord's Prayer coming up here, I just want to, I think I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that I got sunshine on a cloudy day. And when it's cold outside, I got the month of May, maybe June here. I guess you say what can make me feel that way. I'm talking about my girl. Oh, y'all know the song. That's my girl over there. I hope I didn't embarrass you, sweetheart. <laughs> That's my girl. I got to acknowledge my girl. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, that's my girl. We have been studying. Lord, teach us to pray. I tell you, it's been a great series, and I pray that we can add to it and just go a little bit deeper in him this morning. Amen? So we have the Lord's Prayer here. We're going to begin with the Lord's Prayer. But I just want to make mention of this. I know that we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually a prayer that he gave to us. This is my prayer. This is my prayer. Because his prayer is John chapter 17. But this is my prayer. You got to take ownership of it. It's not just his, it's my prayer. This is why we start out with our Father. Y'all know it. Let's go ahead and say it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe it? What we've learned so far is that he is our father. And we know that this is an intimate prayer, something that gives us ownership. He belongs to us. Amen. Then we learn, hallowed be thy name. The Lord's name reveals his nature, who he is. We can say so many names about him, but it wouldn't all encompass who he is. But we know that his name reveals who he is. We say Jehovah Nisi. Who is that? The Lord, our banner, the one that goes before us and fight our battles for us. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Come on. You can get excited about him being Jehovah Jireh. He provides for us. He's Jehovah Mekadishim, the Lord that sanctifies us. He sanctifies us once and for all. We are sanctified in the beloved. Amen. And then we come into thy kingdom come. This is the primary subject that Jesus talked about. Pastor Jay taught us this. This is all he talked about in his ministry. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We learn that the kingdom come after the Lord gives us the authority to do his will right here on earth. The enemy comes to steal our authority, but the desire of the king, number one, is that all men are to be saved. I'm talking D's. Am I talking too fast? Good. Y'all catching up. Is this over your head? Because I was going to tell you to lift it up. All right. All right. The directive of the king is to teach us to obey him so that we can expand this kingdom. Amen. The dominion of the king is that he must rule within us first. Yes, his will be done. We're going to talk about that today. And then the dream of the king is that we know the name of his son. What's his name? Oh, y'all engaged with me this morning. That's his name. Something happens when you call on the name of Jesus. Something happens. I'm telling you, Bernard, you came out the gate this morning, man. Awesome. Running. I can see the power of the Lord upon you. Something happens when you call the name of Jesus. Anytime you're in trouble, anytime you're happy, anytime you're sad, just begin to yell out his name. Say it again. Y'all better learn to love that name. I tell you, in heaven, we're going to be calling it all the time in worship. Amen. And then we come to give us this day our daily bread. It's a prayer of dependency. Is that right, Pastor Dan? He helped us. It's a prayer of dependency, not for what we need right now, but what he needs us to do right now. See, Bernard said something powerful this morning. I tell you, I'm going to go. I give you recognition on the first time. Second time, I heard of a saying. The third time, like I always say, that belongs to me. That belongs to me. He said it's not just a petition, but it's a prayer of recognition. Man, that's awesome. We know who the Father is. We're recognizing, number one, that he is the one that gives us all of our daily bread. But it's not just for our selfish will. How can we store this up? How can we eat it? Not just for us to eat ourselves, but for us to do his will. Amen. And we learn that we want God to change our perspective. We want God to adjust our expectation. And we want God to recalibrate our desires. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Amen? Amen. Then we come to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. I love how it was put last week that we can hold these unforgiving feelings and everything in our bodies. I'm okay and your face having learned what your mouth has said. You got to get in the mirror and practice. I'm okay. And then your eyebrows begin to raise up because it makes your face smile. Oh, try it. I'm telling you, it works. Forgiveness. We learn that this is a fear me to dismiss, to treat as if it never existed, to let it go, a debt, to set it free. We learn that anger shortens our life. Extend your life, man. <laughs> Extend your life. Stop being angry. I tell you, coming to this ministry has helped me out with that. You know, being in the military for 23 years, sometimes you got to hold your face. Sometimes you got to set yourself. Look, I'm telling you this, and I know what I'm talking about. You got to set that sometimes. But it causes something inside of you to become hard. But I'm learning through the subversiveness of the kingdom coming is that I can't always be hard. I got to exercise some grace. I got to exercise some freedom. I got to extend my life. I got some little children that I, they got to grow. I got to see them grow up. I mean, I got some little ones too. Yeah. They keep you busy. They keep you busy. I tell you what. Is this all right? So it leads me to lead us not into temptation. This is something else. Have you ever thought about that statement? Lord, lead us not into temptation. Does it mean that the Lord leads us into temptation? <laughs> what? Temptation, I don't have a problem with going there. You put those ice cream and those Oreo cookies in front of me, I might partake of it. Don't, you can lead me to the ice cream store, but do not put that in front of me. I am tempted already. Lead us not into temptation. You know, just going back a little bit over the Lord's Prayer, I like Luke's account of this. And if you read it in Luke chapter 8, you will see that every time the Lord came out of prayer, and I'm talking about the Lord's prayer. I'm talking about him allowing us to see a little bit of him and how you can go deeper in the Lord. Luke's account says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. First of all, he realized and he, and he understood, number one, that he is Lord. That means he came under the direction of who he is. Lord, teach us to pray. He submitted unto his lordship. He came under the mission, submission, to come under the mission. So that's the, number, that's the first thing that he did. The second thing that he did, it says, teach us to pray. He didn't say just teach me to pray. He said, teach us to pray. 
It's a prayer of family. It's a prayer of unity. It's a prayer of all of us coming together and learning how to exhibit the power in prayer. Because I believe that Luke recognized that every time Jesus came down off of that mountain, every time he prayed, something miraculous took place. If you will look in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9, you will see that when he came down off of that hill from praying, that lepers were healed. The centurion's servant healed. Peter's mother healed. Disciples were called. Many that were filled with demons delivered. Jairus' daughter healed. She was raised up. Blind eyes were opened. The dumb spake. Come on. Power was given to the disciples to do the very thing that, that the one of the disciples asked them. Lord, teach us to pray. The power was given to them to pray and to have these results. To pray and to have it where you are intimate with the Father. Our Father. Amen? But here we run into this thing called Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. A lot of times we are tempted by various things. Things that come our way, they tempt us to do things. Right? Am I the only one that's been... You know what? Let me say this. Let me say this. When you hear something, I'm talking about me. <laughs> okay? So you won't get mad. All right? So now y'all can laugh at me, you can laugh with me, but I'm talking about me, because I know, you know, just like yesterday in the men's prayer, I mean, Jeff, he was hounding it. He was throwing that word out, and I started to laugh, and he said, what are you laughing at? I said, man, you just threw a stone, and I got hit. <laughs> you know, when you throw that stone, whoever get hit is the one that yells the loudest. So listen, I'm getting hit with this stone this morning, all right? <laughs> So it's something else. We're dealing with, lead us not into temptation. Jesus prayed, and he told the disciples that came up with him to the, the, the place of Gethsemane. He said, in Matthew 26, he said, watch and pray, lest you enter not into temptation. Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, what is this flesh? that he's talking about. What is this flesh? Is it the body? Is it this that we have right here? You know that we are a three-part makeup. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in the body. But the body itself, per se, is not the flesh. I believe that the revelation of this word flesh is simple. Spell the word flesh. Just do it in your mind. Now drop the H off the N and spell it backwards. What do you have? Self. That's the revelation of the word, the flesh. It's self-centeredness. Your center is not in him. It's self-motivation. It's in yourself. This is the flesh. When your will is away from his will. I want it because I want it what? Now. My son Zion, oh man, when he wanted, he wanted now. When he wanted, he wanted now. I mean, that was, I remember the first time I was encountered with this, of his nowness. I mean, I said, no, you got to wait. 
And we know that children and the flesh, me, I don't want to wait. I want it now. And I said, no, you got to wait. And man, he let out this roar. I mean, it was like, roar. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, this little guy's yelling at me. What? The, what? Huh? What? <laughs> I mean, I like the, I, we got to harness that. I understand that. But man, what? He's yelling at me. I didn't know what to do. I ain't know what to yell with him to, what do I do here? You know? But when he wants it, he wants it now. And that's how our flesh is. When it wants it, it wants it now. When we're tempted with things, we want it now. But notice this. James 1 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempts any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. I'm talking about the flesh. When he's drawn away from his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And then sin is finished, it brings forth death. See, the thing is with the flesh, and I got to explain this to you because we got to deal with ourselves, and then we're going to deal with the enemy, and then we're going to have the weapons of our warfare. This is where I'm going with it. We got to deal with the self. The self want it now. It's pretty. It's shiny. I want it now. Amen. Get to my notes here. But Jesus shows us something here. And we're going to go to the word here in just a moment. If you turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Jesus shows us something because he came that as an example for us. Amen. And our example, I believe that we have to have what he has. I believe that we have to do what he did and how he did it because he's our example. Jesus is here in the Garden of Gethsemane. We talked about it just a minute earlier. And he's praying. So let me just give you the backdrop of this story is how how it's going. First, he has communion with his disciples, right? And then after communion, he names who's going to betray him. And then he goes up to a mountain. He's on the mountain of olives, and he goes up to this place called Gethsemane. What is the place of Gethsemane? Let's just read this for a moment here. Look at verse 36. He brings up him with Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. 36 says, and then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And when he took him and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Hold on to that word, watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Here is the point that I want to show. This is the only time in Scripture, the only time that we get a, just a little glimpse of 
Jesus' will just a little bit separated from the Father's will. Because he says, if it be possible, allow this cup to pass from me. Just a little glimpse of it. This is how we are, maybe, well, let me say it again. This is how I am, maybe on a lot of times, right? My will will, don't line up with his will. We see this just a little bit. But Jesus has something in his pocket that he pulled out. He pulled out this word right here. And this word, he said, oh, my father, if this cup is, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Notice what he said. Nevertheless, say that with me. Nevertheless, one more time. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, I wish I had this nevertheless in my pocket during these times of temptation. If I was at that car lot, uh uh-oh. And I see it shiny. Those wheels are nice. My first car, I'm 18 years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. This was the nicest car I ever wanted to buy and bought. <clears throat> it's got the shiniest wheels. It's an 88 Royal Oldsmobile, for anybody want to know. This was mine, right? And I'm looking at it, something inside of me, and my dad is like, no, nah, I don't think you need to get that, son. Don't get that. But I, I want it. I want it now. It's shiny. I'm going to look good in it. But if I had this word, nevertheless, <laughs> I wouldn't have partook of the temptation. See, And I'm going to explain this in just a moment, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there are many times that the Spirit leads us to the temptation, but we don't have to partake in the temptation. I'm led to this temptation, but I partook. Talking about me, y'all. I partook, and I drove off that lot, and I experienced what I always experienced, When I'm not following the will of God, it's called buyer's remorse. (laughs) And I can hear in my head my father saying, why did you do that? That's how my dad used to talk to me when I got in trouble. Son, why did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on now. If we would just have a nevertheless mentality, if we would say, nevertheless, I understand what you want, body. I understand what you want, Sidron. See, I'm not making y'all mad. I'm talking about me. I understand, but nevertheless, not my will, his will be done. We got to pull it out of our pocket. If you got to write it down on some paper, say, nevertheless, not my will your will be done. He shows us how to battle against these temptations of going away from his will and staying lined up with his will. Amen? But he tells us to watch and pray. What are we watching for? We're watching for the deeds of disobedience. That thing which pull and tug against the will of the Lord. And then we're praying immediately. Our prayers, when we pray immediately, we don't roll around the thoughts in our minds and then try to justify why we need what we need 
because we need it right now. Prayer weakens the drive of the flesh and it increases the spirit of God. But we're praying, lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't lead me there. Don't call me out. Because that's what I believe that he did. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Y'all getting something this morning? Amen, amen. Listen, I taught this message to myself before I came out here and taught it to you. I gave the altar call and I answered it. Because I understand. This is me I'm talking about, amen. Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at verse, uh, let's just go up. Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 17. This is when Jesus is baptized. And we're talking about, don't call me out, Lord. I'm doing okay, right? Jesus was baptized by John. In verse 17, in chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Who led Jesus up? (laughs) The Spirit led Jesus up. Lead us not into temptation. Sometimes the Spirit of God leads us. Don't call me out. I'm reminded of Job. If you just turn over to Job chapter 1. Hold your finger in in, in Matthew chapter 4, but I'm reminded of Job. It seemed like God called Job out. I don't like to be called out. At least I didn't. I'm in grade school, and I'm in English class, and we have a reading assignment. Y'all know what I'm talking about, teenagers. There's a reading assignment, and the teacher says, I need you to read chapters 1 through 10. Yeah, give us these enormous chapters to read. And then the next day you come in, how many of y'all read chapters 1 through 10? Everybody hands go up in the classroom. Why? Because I don't want to be called out. Leave me alone. I don't want any attention on me, right? But then the teacher get a little bit more pointed, a little bit more strategic, strategic with the questioning. Okay, In chapters 1, who was in the chapter? What did they do? What is the plot? What is the theme? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now my hand goes down. It's not on my desk. I'm not going to scratch my head. I'm not going to play with my face. I'm not going to make a sound. I'm not even going to look your direction. My hand is what? Down. My hand is down. I don't want you to call upon me. Leave me alone. And then I got a friend. At least I think he was a friend sitting right beside me, behind me, and he throws my hand up. (laughs) Them fighting words, man. Them fighting words. He throws my hand up. The teacher gaze was over here. Now she sees the hand go up and now she's on me. Don't call me out, man. Leave me alone. I'm doing okay. But I I realized something. I realized something, and we're going to discover what I realized here in Job. Job chapter 1. Are you there? All right, let me get there. In Job chapter 1, it says, and I'm looking at verse 1. It says, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. 
And that man was a blameless and upright man and one who feared God and shunned evil. And he had seven sons and three daughters that were born unto him. Now we call his name Job. Is it Job or Job? It's Job if you need one. I'm going to show you why. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. I told you, if you needed a job, he had one for you right here. <laughs> so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East, and his sons would go and feast in their houses each upon his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run its course that Job would send and sanctify them and that he would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Ten burnt offerings. Poor animals. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Man, every feast, <laughs> ten animals. My goodness. Now, I want to expose this enemy of ours, but it says, Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan was among them. And the Lord said, From where are you coming from? Wow. Satan came among the sons of God. What I realized is this. And we're going to continue the reading here. But what I realized is the reason I didn't want to be called out is because I didn't know who I was. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I had the answer to the question. But the Bible tells me I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am a what? Son. Son does not point to gender. Okay. Son points to maturity. Son points to being in the family. It's not a gender, a gender term in the Bible here. It speaks to being in the family. It speaks to one to go and be deeper in him, to learn more about him, to be grasped and held by the father. It says that Satan came among them and he asked the question, where are you coming from? See, I want to expose the enemy because I believe, number one, that, the, that Satan is the father of all lies. He won't tell the truth if you thought, if you think he can tell the truth. He won't do it. He gives partial truth, and partial truth is not the truth. Why do I say that? He says, so Satan answered the Lord from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. That's not what Peter says. First Peter chapter 5 tells us what he's doing when he's walking back and forth on the earth. The Bible says what? Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he tells us who our adversary is. It's not your brother, it's not your sister, Sidron. It's not the friend, Sidron. <laughs> it's not those who you come in contact with because they made you upset. No, your adversary is the devil. But notice what he does. He's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is his makeup. He's looking for someone to devour. He didn't tell God that, but God knew his heart. He knew what was going on. And then this happened. Then the Lord said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What? You calling me out, man? 
don't you know I got all these donkeys and camels and sons and daughters to deal with? You're going to call. I'm doing okay. But we're seeing that the Lord called him out. But I noticed something. Whom did Satan come amongst? He came amongst the sons of God. God calls out sons. Why? Because just like we see here, if you keep reading on, he starts testifying about Job, who he is. He's a perfect and upright man. In other words, he's telling the enemy that he can handle you. This is my son right here. I know he's led to temptation, but let me tell you, he can handle you. He called him out right here. I'm telling you, don't call me out. He does it again in chapter two. Have you considered my servant Job? Go back to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. So we see here that Jesus was led up. Now the tempter comes. Look at verse three. Well, verse one of chapter four. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, notice when he comes. He comes when he think you're at your weakest hour. I'm exposing the enemy. I already know he don't want you to know this. He comes when you think when you at your when he thinks you're at your weakest hour. Be sober, be vigilant. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices, his noemas, his plots, his ploys against us. When is he going to try to hit us? When he thinks we are our weakest hour. And then he says this, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Wait a minute. Just above here, God opened up the heavens and told me that I am the son of God. There's no question about that, but he, he tries to attack your mind. That's number one. The enemy comes to attack your mind. John chapter 10 verse 10 says what? The thief come not but for what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. That is his threefold makeup. Stealing, killing, and destroying. But the Lord said, I am come that you may have what? Life. And have it more abundantly. Don't get me twisted with this joker over here who's coming to steal and kill and to destroy. I'll come that you may have life. Sometimes we got to tell that to ourselves. When we think this stealing, killing, and destroying is in our life, we got to tell ourselves that he's come that we may have life. Amen? He's come to steal your mind. To get you off tilt. To make you think that you're not a son, a maturing person in the Lord. This is what he did to Jesus. If you be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now listen, it's not a temptation unless you can do it, unless you strongly desire it. Was it a problem for Jesus to turn stones into bread? No. He could do it. But he hits them with something. He says... It is written. See, you can't touch my mind. Why? Because it is written. In my mind floods the word of God. Is it, it is written. It's my natural response. It is written. See, the enemy comes. Let me just give you a little, little thing on how he hits me. I got to stay with me. 
He throws darts our way called thoughts. Boom, here come a thought. It could be a thought of despair, lack, insufficiency, not good enough. I'm not a son. And I believe when he throws that dart, he flinches. Why does he flinch? Because he's expecting you to say something. See, a lot of times we try to fight our thoughts with our thoughts. If you try to fight your thoughts with your thoughts, you will lose every time. You have to fight your thoughts with a word. Open up your mouth and say something. Because I'm going to tell you this. If you try to fight them with your thoughts, boom, that, that fiery thought dog come in your head. And then he sits next to you and say, look at what you're thinking. He just put it in your head. Then he hits two more. Boom, boom. And he flinches. Oh, they didn't, say, they didn't say anything. Next thing you know, you're drowning in thoughts. I'm not good enough. The, is the Lord here? Is he with me? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Now there's a whole bucket of thoughts just on your mind. Now you're lost in those thoughts. How do I get out of this? You got to do what Jesus did. It is written. This is how he deals with me. But you got five seconds, Satan, before I tell you what thus saith the Lord. It is written. I'm going to give you some D's here. In order to be able to fight these thoughts with the word, number one, you have to have a devotion unto the Lord. You got to know what the word says. See, it was Eve in the garden, right? When the enemy came up to her. And said, look, why don't you partake of this? It's shiny, it's beautiful, whatever it is, whatever this fruit is. And she began to quote what the Lord says, but she added to it. At least you touch it. The Lord didn't say touch it. He said, don't eat of it. And then the enemy came back and said, you shall not surely die. Why? He realized something. Do they know the word? I'm going to prove it to you right here because look, go to verse 5. Verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him up into a holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, here it is again, throw yourself down for it is written. Wait a minute, Satan. You coming at me what's written? If you don't know what is written, he'll come at you with what is written. At least he think he will. Notice what he says. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That sounds like the word, don't it? Psalms 91 is what he's quoting here. The Bible says that. Let's just go there. I just want you to see it. I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> Psalms 91. Just go there just for a minute. Hold your finger there in Matthew 4. I'm almost done, y'all. Psalms 91. When you're there, say amen. If it's on the board, say amen. <laughs> Psalms 91. This is what the enemy is trying to quote. But if you didn't see the scripture, you would think that sounds like word. It's right in line. But notice this. Look at verse 10. It says, No evil shall befall you, neither nor shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you. It sounds the same, right? But notice this. To keep you in all your ways. 
and they shall bear ye up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Notice what he left out. To keep you in all your ways, not you just throwing yourself off a building. No, to keep you in all your ways. He left that piece out, trying to tempt the Lord to cast himself off the building, which brings me to my second point. He comes to kill the man. Oh, he comes to kill who you are. He comes to steal the mind, but he tries to come to take you out, take you out of the fight, take you out of the game any way that he can. Are y'all here? You have to have a dependency upon the Lord. You have to have a dedication to the Lord, and we must delight in the Lord. This is how we know what's going on with the word. Amen? Foolishness. Have us thinking all kind of thoughts. But my Bible tells me when the spirit of the Lord should lift up a standard against him. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit should lift the standard of against him. Y'all know, what, y'all know what that scripture is in Isaiah 59? I changed it around a little bit. And it's just me. All right. This is Sadronology here. Sadronology. It says when the spirit when, when the enemy comes in like a flood and there's a comma there, when the enemy comes in like a flood comma, it makes it seem like the enemy is the flood. I moved a comma. I moved a comma. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the spirit, because nowhere in scripture does the enemy comes in like a flood. It's the rivers of living water on the inside of you that flows up. Don't that sound like the flood? So when the enemy comes in, comma, Like a flood, the spirit will rise up out of us and deliver and and stand forth a standard unto him. Oh, come on. That's how I read it. I just moved the comma. I just moved the comma. All the words are there now. I ain't changed no words. I just moved the comma. (laughs) And then the last temptation here, he says, if, verse verse 17, As you were, I'm in the wrong place here. Let me get back to Matthew 4. And he says this, verse 7. It is written, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Then the Bible says that the enemy took him up to an exceedingly high place. And he said, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms of the world. See, the first two were distractions. To see if you will partake of the fruit that he's giving you. To see if you will fall off of what he would fall off and throw yourself down and stay into your thoughts of despair or depression or whatever the case may be. But the third one was the thing that the very thing that Jesus was after. It was a temptation. He wanted the kingdoms to be what? Reunited back unto the Lord. How dare you, man? It's like a punch in, in boxing. Jab, jab, punch. He tried to throw a punch at the Lord. Look at this. But we know that the Lord is capable. He says, away with you. A lot of times that's what we need to say to the enemy. Away with you. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him. Then the devil left. Lead us not into temptation. Sometimes when the spirit leads us, we have to know that he is there with us. We have to know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We have to know that we have and we are equipped with the word. 
I don't want to be called out. I don't want to be led there, but because I am a son, I'm already called out. There's already a bullseye on my chest. But guess what? You got to walk in the power of knowing who you are. I heard a preacher say, if you knew who you were, you can attack hell with an empty water pistol and the fire be out before you got there. That's how the power of the Lord is. If you only know that you are a son, a maturing son in the father. See, this whole prayer is a prayer of becoming mature in him. This whole prayer is a prayer of becoming intimate with our heavenly father. We got to know who we are. Therefore, we must watch, be on God, be sober, be vigilant, and pray against those deeds that come our way. Because we don't have time to be distracted. It's all about him. Everything that we do in our life should be all about him. Amen. Everything that we do should be all about him. God is so good to us that he gives us these weapons. He gives us the weapons of our warfare. So not only do we watch and pray, we watch and preach. Sometimes we got to get before the mirror and just tell ourselves that we are above only. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am blessed of the Lord. I am moving forward in excellence. We got to speak the word over ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm out of time. Amen. If we could just stand to our feet. Hallelujah. The Lord is so good to us. This is a prayer of unity. This is a prayer that we have power in him. We are powerful. We're getting ready to invite you to partake of communion. But as we do that, I just want us to have our minds focused in on not on ourselves. We already got the power to overcome temptation. We already have the power to overcome the wiles of the enemy. But we want to partake in the living bread of the Father. It's living. Let it be alive in us. But some of us may say we don't have that power. We're still struggling in our mind. We can pray for you today. We'll pray for you right here. If you're bold enough to come up, we're bold enough to pray for you. Hallelujah. The Lord is our helper. He's our strength. No longer are we in bondage to fear. No longer do we have to partake into the temptations. No longer do we have to be subject to the enemy's devices. Today is that day of separation from the enemy. Today is that day to draw the line in the sand and to say, I'm on the Lord's side. Who's on the Lord's side? No more playing with the enemy. No more bouncing in and out, straddling the fence. It's time to come on the Lord's side once and for all. Aren't you tired of it? You got to be tired of it. Your mind is this way and that way. Am I? No, 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 no. You are a son. You are righteous. You are powerful in the Lord. Solidify that today. Draw the line in the sand in your own hearts. No matter what that is, draw the line in the sand. Today is the day that when you hear the Lord's voice, harden not your heart. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your power, your presence, your pos our position in you, and that is that we are sons. God, when you call us out, you have all the faith in us that we will do your will. We have nevertheless on the inside of us 
not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Father, I just thank you for each and every heart that's in this place tonight, this morning, Father. Those that will allow you to be their Lord and Savior, God. Those that will raise their hand to say, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to receive the power of the Holy Spirit? God, I thank you, the Lord, that we pray with them. I thank you, the Lord, that even right now as lives are in the balance, that we call them on the Lord's side. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So, Father, I ask the Lord that the boldness of the Holy Spirit will rise up in them, and you will send them forth, God, to receive your Son, to receive your Son, Jesus, on today. God, I thank you right now that the Spirit of the Lord has raised up a standard on the inside of them. Hallelujah. They draw the line in the sand today, Father. And I thank you, Father God, for these, your people. And I ask the Lord that your word will set forth 30, 60, and 100 fold in their lives today. No longer are we bound under the enemy's thumb, but we are more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens us. Father, we just give your name all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Hallelujah.